Previously on the Division Three's Finest Podcast. Taysom Hill, I'm telling you guys right now, will be a great NFL quarterback if he steps in in New Orleans. Next Peyton Manning, Taysom Hill. What? No. From what I understand, you've moved on to the uh, personal training game. Uh, so, like, what are the best kind of steroids that I could get? That's a good question, man. <laughs> uh, you took Sprite Cranberry you took, over. You took Mr. Pib over Dr. Pepper. I'd rather drink my own piss than cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fear the mellow ball at all, and then, uh, like, those guys, they're always, they're like, they're half asleep all the time. I think what Shub yeah. is I try and ask is, do you, do you not have dragons? Yeah, and they I feel like really good. I, I know. <laughs> this is this is the most energetic I've seen you all day, honestly. So, Maya, what do you do now? Yeah, I, I work Jacob. Uh, I'm a professional now, big uh, professional guy. Episode 63 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast, coming up next. What's up, guys? Episode 63 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast. How's everyone doing? I'm good, man. Just another week. Back to the grind. Good, good to be with you guys. For sure. Great. Glad I could make it, you know? Oh yeah, Shub, Shub, people don't know that. Shub was about to miss this episode for like the right. fifth, sixth, true. seventh time in his career. Breaking news. Uh, so, terrible guest. But he did make it, so maybe not terrible guest. Yeah. Huge, shout out to Shub. Huge shout out. So, uh, before we get started with our interview with former professional MLB player Brian Tolberg, we do have some quick announcements and a very special reoccurring guest, like we already mentioned, joining us yet again. But I guess we should give him a formal introduction. Andrew Gillen, yes, my former That's teammate my and uh, current shoot, friend. I apologize for not formally introducing you. Um, ben, thank you for saying that I'm your current friend uh, as opposed to you know your past friend. Right, exactly. Um, but on the show today... Uh, a happy kind of pulled some strings for us, made some magic happen. Happy to have him on the show, Jacob Schubert. How you doing, bud? Uh, you know, I'm doing well, man. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Glad I can make it. Like I said, uh, just you know, just living. It's all just living. Just living. Love to hear that. So, uh, like last episode, we're gonna keep the intro short before our interview. So next week, we're actually working on trying to land another big interview with a coach who will not be named, but. Thank you, guys. If you listened to the, uh, the previous episode, you, you have an idea where we're going with that direction. So we'd be pretty pumped if we get him on the show. So that's currently in the works. And then the week after that's March Madness. So we'll be all, all over that. And I guess we do kind of have to apologize for no episode coming out on Wednesday, recording on a Wednesday night. But usually episodes yes. are released on Monday morning or Wednesday morning. So we kind of screwed that up. Social media. We should have kept you guys updated. So I apologize I I personally. I would like to personally apologize directly to Hum Drizzy. Uh, big listener of the show kind of called huge us out listener. on Twitter. Uh, called us on our shit, so we'll shout out. Huge listener, huge fan, great guy. I love the Home accountability, Drizzy. though. Really a bro's bro, to be honest. Honestly, yes. For sure. And then uh, just another, you know, while we're talking about listeners, huge shout out to the listeners, and we're actually at 9,765 listens overall on the podcast. So we're probably an episode or two away from reaching that. 10,000 le- uh, 10, listens number so that's uh that's pretty big time no but yeah no big deal no big deal or anything like not to brag um but that's a lot that's a lot of that's a lot of f-ing lessons we'll beep that out too uh, should we do something big for this <laughs> 10,000 number i feel like it's kind of a big uh, accomplishment honestly i think we should but i just don't know what we'll 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 brainstorm we'll chef up some ideas in the, in the lab 
we will brainstorm, but you know, feel free to shoot out some yes. uh, suggestions. <laughs> Us brainstorming does not promise anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't so know. if any of you have any good ideas, tweet us at D3's finest pod. That is don't correct. Don't forget the pod. Because <laughs> 10,000 is kind of a weird number. Like 100, I feel like you can do something. I don't, I don't know. 10,000, like what can you do 10,000 times? I'm not sure. Uh, oh, you were thinking about doing something 10,000. All right, we're already brainstorming. We'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, um, oh. so, and then the week after that, like we mentioned, you know, March Madness, we'll be covering that a lot. But also BGA Madness, like we mentioned last time, um, you know, we're trying to do a bracket. You know, last time we did this two years ago, we did best uh, sports movie characters. So, you know, give us a topic. We want to we want to try to do this again. It'll be it'll work kind of the similar way as, you know, Fancy BS. Polls will be up, you know, one versus eight seeds, and we'll do a whole tournament of, you know, a random topic like Fancy BS. I have an idea for that. Oh, wow. Okay, this is breaking news to me. Let's go, shoot. Uh, breaking breaking news. Best <laughs> Division three schools. All right, great. Good, good thing that's your first one, because we got more time to work on some other ones. Hey, we're the Division Three's finest podcast, best Division Three schools. That's going to be a good one. Shoot, not see, but you. And we can break well, it down by region. Yeah, for all of our listeners that are super familiar with Division Three schools, so they can vote, right? I mean, ninety percent of our listeners went to a Division Three school, so. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so I think we're good for announcements, Ben, unless you had anything else. I think that's good. I mean, shoot, that's a terrible idea, but I think we're good besides that. Okay, so thank, you for, thank, you for, thank you for saying something, Ben, because I actually did start to feel bad uh, for a sec. But no, shoot, I mean, I appreciate the effort and, like, the gung-ho you had there, but... I legitimately had... thought that was a good idea, so I'm, like, upset. Because I was like, all right, I'm coming in here with a good idea. No, no, They're not going to no, make fun yeah. of this. No, no, it was good. You know, like I said, it'll make the board. But we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to shuffle up some other options maybe. So so we'll start there. How's that? Does that make you feel better? No, but... Okay. Shoot, well, what are the top good. five Division uh, three schools? Right. So, yeah. So I, I have a quick shout-out uh, yeah. by request. Jackson Finfrock, friend of the show. Uh, huge fan, I think. Huge um, shout-out. At least he claims. But shout-out to him. We'll see if he, we'll see if he hears this. Um, but now... Coming up, an interview with former major leaguer, the winner of the National League Player of the Week, uh, June 25th, 2000, Brian Tolberg. Ben, cue the air horn. A few moments later. Now joining us on the podcast, this is his first appearance on the show. He's a former MLB starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres and the first player ever to play in the big leagues from the Independent Frontier League. And most importantly, he's also our second guest ever to have a Wikipedia page. So that's pretty big time. Brian Tolberg, how's it going? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, man. How are you guys? Great. Good, yeah. Uh, honored to have you on, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, not not that very often that I get a chance to talk about uh, my glory day, so to speak. So, <laughs> pleasure to be here with you guys. Sounds good. So, let's just get into it. Um, before we get into some baseball questions, I just wanted to start with how we know each other real quick. So, um, we met at a sure. baseball camp back in, in you know my Hong Kong days. I believe the camp started in 2011, that summer. And I was just starting high school personally at the time, and you, you led the baseball camp with several other MLB players that lasted, you know, for several several summers. And so I just wanted you to talk real quick about that experience and maybe some of your favorite memories from Hong Kong, basically, because we're going to need you to say some nice things about yeah, my hometown, because, sure. you know, my friends are seeing all these recent, you know, protests, and now the coronavirus is getting a bad rap. So we need you to say some nice things about Hong Kong. No, well, I, I'll tell you, um, 
I went over there. I got asked by uh, Desi Relaford, who, who went over, I guess, the previous year when your, uh, when your brother was at, at North Florida. Right. Uh, uh, your brother had, had gotten my college coach, uh, Dusty Rhodes, to come over there with a couple other coaches, and they had a schedule conflict the second year that they wanted to set this up. And so uh, Desi had reached out to me saying, hey, what are you doing in September of whatever it was, 2011? And right. I said, nothing on the calendar yet. Why? He's like, you want to go to Hong Kong for like a week? And I was like, count me in for sure. And uh, it was myself and Desi Relaford and uh, um, Gary Bennett and uh, Charles uh, Gibson. Also and, friends of the program. Uh, it was cool just because we had the ability to have a pitcher there, a catcher, an infielder, and an outfielder. So we had all facets of the game to be able to talk about uh, at these camps over there. And I loved it over there. I, I, I personally had a, a fantastic time, which is why I went back over two or three years after that. Um, the culture was, was, was really fascinating to me over there. The work ethic of, of the people that are over in, uh, in Asia uh, was really, really uh, blew me away. Just how hard everybody works and how, how they want to get better at, at everything that you tell them. Um, and they tried to put it into practice as much as possible. Um, food was fantastic, so I had a blast over there, and uh, I actually spoke to a buddy of mine whose son goes to HKIS now, and he is uh, on the board of directors, I believe, of the Little League over there, and they play at HKIS, and I'm going to try to get back over there next year with probably three or four other guys uh, for a camp, maybe That's next time. fall or the following year, so um, no, I had a blast, uh, and, and that was kind of my first foray into uh, some international uh, camps, um, and since then I've been over to Dubai, I've been over oh, to wow. uh, Qatar, Kuwait, um, went over to northern Spain wow. a year ago for another alumni, so uh, it's been it's been a blast, but it all started uh, with Hong Kong, so it was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, love so to kind of credit Ben for all your traveling success, like partially responsible at least. 100%. <laughs> there you go. And, and they, were, they, they were great hosts over there and, uh, you know, just really oh, yes. showed us the sights and, and uh, had a great time. Left a real positive impression on not only myself, but the three other guys as well. So uh, awesome. I, I had a great time over there for sure. That's cool. All right, so we'll get into the first uh, real big-time, big-J journalism question here. Um, so the theme of our uh, podcast and kind of where the name comes from, Division Three's finest, um, kind of a joke, kind of not, but revolves around us, you know, being formal, former D3 athletes, uh, some would say generational talents, um, but mainly we were playing the game, you know, for the love <laughs> of the sport and just trying to play sure. as long as we possibly could. Uh, so now that you're kind of, you're kind of beyond that. You, you kind of took things to the next level, but I'm sure there's still some parallels. Um, so why don't you just talk to us about, you know, a little bit about your career um, and just kind of more general about the game of baseball, just just what you yeah. love about it. For sure, no doubt. Um, you know, I was a notch below you guys. I was uh, NAIA in college. Uh, North Florida Division One now, but for me it was always – I loved to play the game, and I wanted to play as far as I could. And then the older I got, the wiser I got, and realized, like, kind of a pipe dream to be able to play professional ball, let alone try to get to the big leagues. So what's the next best thing? And for me, that was to try to go get a college scholarship and save guys. And I was very fortunate. Um, I I quit my junior year high school with um, the high school that I played at just because of 
some uh, political stuff that was going on and, and my grades were suffering and uh, things were happening that maybe shouldn't have and, you know, it's taking a toll on me emotionally a little bit. So uh, I ended up taking that summer off, um, that spring off, and, and, and played and just kind of recommitted myself for my senior year and was in the right place at the right time at an event, at a showcase actually, right outside of Orlando and had good grades and that was one of the things that Coach Rhodes um, kind of made a point to say was, you know, if you have the grades to be able to come to our, our school, we definitely want to talk to you. And so from that camp, probably two weeks later, I had a full ride scholarship uh, in the mail. Um, I still was a very average high school player. I, I, I like to tell people, even the guys I coach now, I was never the best player on any team I was ever on from Little League on. I was one of the better players, but not the best player. And so I think that that kind of instilled the work ethic in me and, and made me want to work as hard as I could at whatever level I was at. And when I got to college, I, I had four relatively unspectacular years there and, um, you know, had a great time and, and a lot of good memories, a lot of good friendships made. But um, going into college, I was 152 pounds, 6'3", 152 pounds. So really didn't take to the weight training right away. And uh, it took a while for me to see the big picture of, of how everything kind of fits together and, you know, to make you a, a better ball player. And, um, and when I got done at North Florida, I reached out to my college coach and, and thought there might be a chance that I was a free agent signed maybe with a team. And uh, he had thought that that might be a, a possibility. But if, if not... There was a place called Chillicothe, Ohio, uh, that was in the Frontier League. It was in their second year of existence, and that might be – he knew some contacts within that organization for me to maybe go for a tryout. And we had two of our other uh, players, our, our infielders, that they were going to uh, to drive up there for a tryout within like a, a week from that, that conversation I had with them. And so – I got off the phone with him and kind of talked to my family, and I was like, I don't even, I've never been to Ohio, don't know anything about it. Maybe this isn't probably the best, you know, if it's meant to be, I'll get drafted or a free agent sign or whatever. But then I'm like, you know what? You never know unless you try, and, and, and I didn't want to have any regrets. And so I went ahead and uh, got in the car with my brother and, and drove up, I think it was like 18, 19 hours, and uh, went to a tryout up there and some good ball players up there. And, um, uh, made a favorable impression, I guess, on the head coach and the owner of that team. And uh, they offered me uh, a chance to play for them. And I literally had less than a week to drive home, grab my stuff, and come back. And uh, ended up having a good year there and, you know, opened up some eyes and, and ended up signing as a free agent with the Brewers. And uh, But, again, always, you know, always knew that I was an underdog and, and didn't have any money invested in me. I signed for a plane ticket with the Brewers. And... Uh, Broke camp as a number five starter on their uh, Beloit, Wisconsin, low A club. And, um, you know, just always had to prove people wrong, basically. And I, I like doing that. I think the longer I went. And, and once I got signed to, to honestly, Chillicothe, anything past that for me was gravy. I could say I played professionally and walk away and, and not have any regrets. And uh, But then I, I had a little bit more success. And that year we ended up winning the Midwest League Championship for the first time in 19 years. Had a very good club that year, and uh, I was a number five starter, a number one starter. Jeff D'Amico, who played probably about seven to eight years in the big leagues, was a first round pick for them. He was fifteen and three. He was fifteen and four. So um, it was it was a good year, and it ended up allowing me to, to skip high A with them and go to double A. And 
you know, from that point on, I, I realized like I'm not that far away from really getting to where I wanted to get to in the game, and uh, I just tried to surround myself with people that knew more than I did, and continue to work, and uh, you know, and just see what happens. And I was very fortunate that you know had some good coaches along the way, and played for some good organizations, and uh, played to my strengths at times, and had the opportunity uh, to get to the big leagues ultimately. Yeah. So going off that, you know, obviously the move to the Frontier League. Uh, was successful and instrumental to the progression of your career. So, you know, you have a really good year with Chillicothe Paints in Ohio. Shout out, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just a year later, you're pitching in the minor leagues for the Brewers. Uh, but I guess yeah. my question is here, how how important was it for you, you know, to progress so quickly to that level? Um, you know, because I've seen up and close, I worked in the Frontier Leagues for a few years. Uh, guys are there for, you know, two or three years on the same team. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, sure. it's awesome to continue playing professional baseball as long as possible. But if you're trying to play in the bigs, I'd assume after years and years of staying snag- stagnant, that could, uh, you know, have that could be really dis- discouraging. 100%. Yeah. So was it more of like a... Uh... It's ironic. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's ironic because at the tryout at Chillicothe, I, I went there and threw and they offered me a contract there for $500 a month before taxes and and yeah so I was I was going to make some serious money there and I told both of them as seriously as I could that I'm here to get out of here and I I, I wasn't there I wasn't there to you know make a career there and I I hope that they didn't take that the wrong way and and he responded back to me that's what we want too and and I didn't really understand what he I I knew that that's what I wanted to you know get some exposure there and and get with an affiliated organization and move so I was like, well, I know what I mean. What do you mean? And he said, well, you know, the more guys that we get signed out of here to affiliate programs, that's just a selling point for us to be able to, you know, go out there and, uh, you know, when we have open trials for future years, we can say we had these five guys or these seven guys signed. So now they're getting a little bit more higher quality talent at their tryouts potentially as well. So I was like, oh, well, that does make sense. And, um, when I ended up, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of gave myself a timetable. I wasn't going to try to be there for, you know, three or four or five years. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, like you say, but, you know, if I was good enough to make it, I, I also had a, a scholarship uh, or I had a, a college diploma. So I was like, you know, once I feel like this is kind of the end of the line for me baseball-wise, then I can move on and go get a real job and, and move on with my life. And um, I, I think I was very fortunate it, it, Love the people in the Frontier League and and uh, in Chillicothe specifically. Um, I stayed with a farmer and his wife on 400 acres. Um, that was my my host family, and uh, got to help with chores around uh, around the farm and drove a, a dump truck and uh, just just very very salt of the earth quality people. And uh, you know, part of for the longest time, I kept a a pay stub um, from that like $219 uh, after taxes in my wallet just to, you know, remind me of where I came from and, you know, to make sure that I, I, I didn't feel like I had arrived yet and, uh, and just continue to work as hard as I could on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, when I got to the big leagues, I didn't know that I was the first guy from um, So that was kind of a, a special moment for me um, to be able to share that with them and, and to know that they could use that as an advertising tool and I think that, you know, that was something that, that really helped help, helped uh, get them a little bit more exposure um, on a broader sense. 
for for not only Chile County but the Frontier League as a whole. And um, my second start was in Cincinnati, which was an hour or two away from Chillicothe. So I got a chance to uh, to have some tickets for uh, some family members that were uh, around that area and then front office people from Chillicothe to be able to come. And I, I threw well there and, and was player of the game. So it was, it was neat to be able to, to see some people and have them uh, experience that, uh, that ride with me a little bit as well. So. Sure. Uh, so I am just going to take a quick moment to shout out the Frontier League uh, before we move on. Just real quick, uh, they're friends of the program, obviously. Um, but one of the things through our through our diligent research, uh, you kind of touched on it. You know, being the first player uh, to come out of the Frontier League uh, to the majors, they actually named their version of the Cy Young Award after you. Uh, so Correct. that's kind of huge. Uh, so do yeah. you have any just quick comments on that? Like, did, is that something that you know, you were like pumped yeah. about, like. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, anytime that you know somebody is going to name something for you, I mean, and they ended up retiring my number, and I, I think that they have uh, a winter um, sports banquet. They the year after I got to the big leagues, um, that that fall, they had me come and, and be the the guest speaker there. So it, it was definitely a neat experience. And when they called me and asked me, I got a bobblehead night one night, uh, so. That was oh. kind of cool. So no, I mean all, all that stuff is it, it's very very special to me, and uh, you know is it's it cooler day, to have. I, I'm sorry, I'm that? sorry. No, I was just no, gonna say, gonna... is it cooler to have a bobblehead night or have a trophy named after you? Because I honestly don't know. The trophy's pretty cool, just because that's an ongoing thing year after year. Gotcha. That'll the, the bobblehead thing was a one time thing, but uh, what's been kind of cool is uh, along the years after they told me about. You know, I know that, that all those guys are grinding and, and working their tails off and put up way better numbers uh, to end up win that, that uh, award. They had to put up way better numbers than I ever put up in that league. And so there's been a number of years where I reached out um, to when they told me who won it for that year. I said, can you get me their phone number? I'd like to call them and just see if I can help them out in any way, whether it's getting their oh. name in, in in touch with uh, some affiliated teams that I knew or some scouts that I knew or what have you, just because, you know, that, that's the ultimate goal is to get out of there. It's not sure. to, you know, be in, in the Frontier League for, you know, 10 years or 12 years. I know you're going to age out at a certain point, but, you know, that was my goal. And, and you know, it, it, it's all connections at a certain point. So I, I wanted to see if I could help out in any way possible awesome. in that regard as well. So, uh, so no, I, 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 I I really appreciate and uh, am humbled that uh, they, they wanted to name that after me. For sure. And uh, just digging a little deeper into your career, so, you know, obviously definitely uh, an underdog story being undrafted, like we talked about, and playing indie ball before, you know, ultimately reaching your goal. But throughout those years and that journey, there must have been, you know, some tough times and low moments where, you know, you didn't really know if your dream was ever going to become a reality. So I guess my question is, like, what are some of the you know, lower moments in your journey and how did those moments kind of strengthen your mindset and mental toughness like maybe if you didn't everything was like given to you after college with you know golden opportunities maybe you don't oh, reach sure. that goal that you ultimately got well i knew that there was really no margin for error um i knew that from even up in chillicothe quite honestly um just because you're a nice teammate or you tell good jokes or you're a good clubhouse guy it, it comes down to do you put up numbers and are you right. productive and do you stay healthy and so i kind of realized very early on that they have no money invested in me. Um, the only way that I have a chance to stick around here and, and, and advance is to do my job and, and do it well. 
And so, uh, I mean, I, I think 15 games and myself and uh, Jeff D'Amico tying for the lead, I think I put I, I got put on some people's radars within the organization during that time frame. But, but to skip a whole level and to go to double-A, I, I definitely took my lumps that first year at double-A and played in the Texas League, which is, is a tough uh, league to pitch in to begin with. Big parts, ball flies a little bit out west. And uh, so I, I, I put up decent numbers, not overwhelmingly uh, dominating or anything like that. And so there were times I remember when I was in El Paso, uh, Texas at the time, that you know, I called my dad after I got beat up after a couple games and kind of probably moaned to him about, you know, probably was struggling a little bit more and just wanted somebody to bounce it off of and maybe feel sorry for myself. And, and he would be my voice of reason and go, look, if you're not having fun and you don't think you can get it done, quit and let somebody else have a chance then. And uh, it kind of, you know, just allowed me to realize why I'm there. It's not the one game at a time, you know, and, and you don't want emotionally to go up and down with that. It's kind of a long, long, it, life's not attracting me to the marathon. So, you know, just trying to get better every game and, and, and do what I could and, I think so. That was a big, uh, a big part from my emotional development was that first year at Double A, and then I came back into spring training. That was after '96 and spring training '97. I felt like I'd worked really hard in the weight room, had gotten on a new training program, and put some size on. Some I thought some more velocity, and relatively early in the spring training that year in '97, uh, they called me in the office and uh, the farm director, I believe, and said, "Hey, we." not sure if you're going to get an opportunity to play AAA for us. And there was a trade that came along um, to the organization. They pulled the trigger on it. And so they traded me to, um, to San Diego. And uh, the only thing I could hurt here in my mind when they were talking to me was I'm not good enough to play. And at the time, Milwaukee was not known for their stellar um, big league program or minor league program for that matter. Um, they were good, but not, you know, one of the best in the minor leagues. And so I'm like, well, look, if I'm not good enough to make their triple A, then maybe I should be done right now. And, uh, so I was out in Arizona for spring training at the time. And and so from where I needed to go from Chandler to Peoria, which is where San Diego was, I grabbed my stuff. Um, they gave me the day off. I drove over to their complex and it just so happened that, the guy was leaving their complex that I got traded. Um, and, and so I meet this guy and I said, Hey, uh, you want to grab something for lunch? And so we went out to lunch and kind of talked and he's like, you're going to love it over here. And I was like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to stay around. And, and he's like, no, he's like, man, he's like, this place is like so awesome. And, uh, the more I got there, I think, uh, I think he ended up having a shoulder issue, uh, was a good hit third baseman. I think he had a shoulder injury from time to time. I think he maybe played a year or two more in, in the minor leagues and quit, retired. But uh, I got into spring training and where we were at with, with uh, it was just a different mindset altogether organizationally. Uh, the minor leagues for the Brewers, everybody was in one area and, and the big leaguers were somewhere a couple miles away. So you really never saw anybody uh, come over or interacted with big league guys. And then with San Diego, I walked into the clubhouse the first morning and Tony Gwynn's walking by me and Ken Caminiti's walking by me and Trevor Hoffman's walking by me. And I'm like, holy, like these are big league guys. Maybe I'm not in the right place. Well, their whole mindset was they want the big leaguers to be front center to all the big, uh, to the minor leaguers because that's, 
you're trying to go get their job and you need to see how they take care of themselves physically, mm. what they eat, what time they get there, how they go about their business. So the, it was it was by design wow. that they had their their place set up that way. And so for me, I was like, man, this is like the coolest thing ever. And, and double A, they sent me to double A that year, um, which I don't know if I anticipated going to double A or whatever, but it, it was what it was. And, and again, controlling what you can control. I worked my tail off that year and uh, started in the rotation and they put me in the bullpen and again, didn't try to let that, that kind of affect me mentally and just did my job as best I could and ended up finishing second in the league actually in ERA that year, I think. And um, nice. then I, I got done that year and then the next year, I, I think they had a lot of big league um, free agent guys uh, in spring training. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going back to I, my agent at the time. Um, typically, you, you get the cuts. Like, if you have no business being on a team, you get shuffled down pretty early in spring training camp. And the last day of cuts, uh, they sent me down. And my pitching coach, this was in 98. Uh, he's like, look, if, nobody, if anybody asks, you're the last guy that, that deserves to be sent down, but it's a numbers game or whatever, and, and – that didn't really sit well with me, and I talked to my agent on the phone, and he's like, you know, you finish second league in pitching, you go back there again, These the scouts that, that watch these games are going to be like, well, there must be something wrong with you, or you're a, a character issue or something like that. And I was like, you know what, you're right. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on myself, and I said, I want you to call them and tell them you got, you got a month to either trade me, release me, or move me up. Because I really felt strongly that at the end of the day, if, if – if they called my bluff and said, you know what, then here's your walking paper, see ya, I would have gotten picked up with another organization, at least in double A, so would have been nothing Power that, move. you know, would have really phased me and, you know, could have had a, a clean slate. And uh, I had two games, literally, and nobody else knew about it, but the, the, the brass and me and my agent, no, no other uh, teammates, and I pitched like crap my first game. <laughs> I pitched. Uh, a little bit better and got to win my second game. And the night after my second game, they said, congrats, you're going to AAA. And I was like, but I just sucked for two games. I was great in spring training. And I, but I guess they had a, uh, a move that happened and they had a trade with Cincinnati. And so I was a long reliever in Las Vegas. Uh, so after two games, I got, I got, uh, called to AAA and to be a long guy. And, um, and again, you talk about, you, you see so much uh, adversity, especially in the minor leagues, but in baseball, and that's what I love about the game. And I was doing really well as a, as a, as a long reliever there, and I'm like, man, I can get to the big leagues. I'm step away. And our starter at the time, one of our starters at the time, was really struggling getting wins. I think he was like 0-7, 0-8. And threw uh, the ball well, just couldn't buy a win. And Nick Gross, the manager at the time, a guy named Jerry Royster, called me in the office. He's like, hey. Um, you've been doing a great job, and, and I was like excited, thinking I was getting called up to the big leagues. He's like, "Hey, we want to put you in, in the rotation here in AAA," and I was like, "Dude, that's awesome! That's what I want. Like, that's that's my goal." And he's like, "But we've only built you up to like two or three innings, being a long guy." And I knew exactly where he was going, so he's like, "So we got to send you Double A," and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me!" You know, and, and I think you could my my body language and I wasn't real happy with that and and uh, and he said look you're down there for four or five starts if you're down there for more than a day after your fourth or fifth start I'll read he's like you have my word and I said done so 
I knew that, that he had my back, and I went there with a mission and uh, and was lights out. I think my last game, we clinched the first half of uh, Mobile, which was uh, in the Southern League where I played for. I clinched the first half against Knoxville. I struck out 15 and in eight innings and uh, was on a plane going back to, to Vegas and uh, day after that. So, um, look, everybody faced some adversity. It's just it, it's how you handle it and, and just being able to control what you can control and uh, and working hard. And that's that's one of the things that, that's it's not the physical grind. I mean, it is 144 games in the minor leagues, so it is a long season. But the, the mental grind sometimes is really, really tough to handle for a lot of guys, uh, including myself. So, for sure. Great question. Yeah, and then so you've already probably told this story you know a million times, but June two thousand, you know, your life changes forever as you're called up to the big leagues for the first time. You know, what was that day like, yep. and how does that day compare to maybe some of the other memorable phone calls you've gone, like being able to you know play in college or getting to play for the Brewers after you know you're playing the Frontier oh, League. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously getting the MLB call must be you know on the top of the list, but where does it rank you know among some of the best days of your life? Uh, with, with the birth of my kids, marriage to my wife, uh, it, it's a scholarship. Uh, it, it ranks up there. Obviously, it's yeah. a little bit more so meaning because that was always my goal from when I started playing people at five years old right. was to make it to the big leagues, even though at the time you have no idea how, how far away that is, especially from a guy that played in an independent league in Chillicothe, Ohio. But, uh, you know, if you believe in your abilities, and uh, at the time, it, it, again, going back to adversity, um, I played, um, let me see, 90, 98 was that year I was in the big, uh, in AAA. Got my brain speed in a little bit. A lot, lot tougher hitters to face. You got a lot of guys that are up and down big leagues AAA, and it's tough league to pitch in the PCL. So I, 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 I gave it up a little bit that year, and then I came back um, in 99, feel like I was ready well, and I also tried to prepare myself I went down to Puerto Rico and played winter ball down there and and really threw the ball well down there but I probably didn't take as much time off as I needed to, to recover uh, in between and threw close to 200 innings down there so when I came back into 99 I uh, just didn't feel great early on and uh, felt something in my elbow in 99 um, Got an MRI, X-rays, and it was a partial tear on the collateral ligament. Didn't need surgery, but was going to probably miss most of that year. So I did rehab the majority of that year, and seen a lot of guys that were teammates that were my my brothers getting the the opportunity to play in the big leagues. And knowing that if I was healthy, that could have been me. That was, that was again something that you know control what you control. And so the only thing I could really focus on was my recovery and my rehabilitation. And so that was a little bit tough at times. I mean, you always wish it was you. Uh, but I continued to work my tail off that off season. It came back later on that year and, and pitched in some rookie ball games and was pain free. And so, uh, so my goal was um, that that next year I was going to be a six year minor league free agent. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not in the Padres' plans. And you know, let me just go out there. Never been to big league spring training camp as an invite. So I'm like, you know what? Go out there and just shove this year and do the best I can and get on some other team's radars and you never know maybe I get to the big leagues with somebody else uh, big league camp and so I just was like full of confidence and, and hit the ground running for my first game on and uh, had a ton of confidence and like you mentioned in June I had pitched a couple days before and when you're not pitching as a starter 
you're typically shagging, um, you're on the bucket, you're in the stands, so you're on the radar gun chart, you're on the game chart, you're, you're on the, the spray chart, so you always have a job to do, which is fine. I love doing the, the chart. And I had gotten there a little bit early on, um, it was the 18th of June, actually. It was on Father's Day. And uh, I like to go over and, and get some uh, early work in a little bit early, get my running done before it got too hot. So I typically would try to go on the early bus and, you know, at wherever we were at, Motel 6 or Red Roof Inn or whatever in Tucson. Um, called my dad from, from the hotel, wished him a happy Father's Day. Went over on the early band and uh, got over there, got dressed, and our pitch coach was there. And he said, hey, uh, come into my office after you get dressed. I had a question about the chart you had last night, which was not out of the realm of uh, normal things. There's times where you call a slider, a curveball, or vice versa, and so he just wanted some clarification, I thought. So I got dressed, I went in, uh, he closed the door behind me, and uh, he was there, the hitting coach, the manager, the trainer, and I'm like, all these people don't need to be in here. And it felt eerily similar to when I got traded, so my heart kind of sunk a little bit, like, man, this is not going to be good, and uh, he closed the door and said, I got a deal for you. I know it's not your night to do the chart tonight, but if you do the chart for me tonight, you can pitch in the big leagues on Tuesday. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you got yourself and, a deal, and you hear stories. You hear stories about people that were going to get there and then something happened last second. They ch- And so I, I wanted to know the full story. And they were sending a guy down that had been struggling a little bit. And they had a guy named Woody Williams that was coming off the DL soon. So he was going to be moving into the rotation. He had a couple more of my early rehab starts. But uh, I had probably three starts, uh, big league starts, and then I was going to get sent down to AAA. Uh, and he's like, you know, he explained the whole situation to me. He said, well, what do you think? I said, three more starts than I've ever had in the big leagues. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, create a good impression on him up there. And then at the end of the day, come back down here, do your thing. And then maybe you, you know, our September call up when they expand rosters in September. And uh, so I was pumped. Obviously, you don't try to show too much emotion because everybody in AA and AAA, are, are, that their goal is to get to the big league. So I, I came out as stone-faced as I could. And my roommate had come over on the, on the early band as well. He had some shoulder injuries that he was trying to rehab back from. And, and he's like, well, they won in there. And I, I tried to, like, like, keep a bottle up. And I was like, nothing, nothing. He's like, well, they won. Like, wasn't let it go, and I was like, I'm going up. And so he goes crazy and starts yelling, and so I was like, i got to get out of here. I feel like I'm about to explode. And uh, went out, and this was in Tucson in June, so it's about 102 out there, and uh, just had to get rid of some energy. So I just started doing polls as many as I could and um, and just thought about, like, what this means and what, what who I needed to call and let them know and, and uh, I needed to make a call to Dusty, my college coach. I needed to call my agent. I needed to call my mom and dad. Those were the three calls I needed to make. And this was before cell phones. I had, like, a calling card. I had a pay phone up on the – so I got done running, um, dying sweat-wise. I go on the concourse. I get my phone card, and I'm, I'm calling, and I call my dad. It's busy. And this was in the days of like you know plugging in to get on online AOL or whatever. So you had to you had to plug it in for you know to get online versus the phone line. They didn't have dual ones back then. So 
I call him a couple times. It's busy. I'm like, of all the days that you could be on online, you you choose this one right now. So I called Dusty. I talked to him. He's excited. He's gonna try to watch the game. I call my agent. He's excited. He's gonna be at the game. Um, I'm calling my dad again. It's busy. And as I'm sitting there making those calls and it's busy, guy walks by me who was in Beloit, my first affiliate year in, in uh, pro ball. His name was. Um, Brett Dolan, he was our play-by-play guy in, in Beloit. And he just so happened to be the play-by-play in Tucson there. And it was just really, really cool to, to tell him, like, hey, I'm going up to the big leagues. And he ended up, I think, going to Houston um, to be a, a play-by-play guy for him and uh, for them in the big leagues a couple of years later. But just was was really neat experience and, and got to talk to him for a couple minutes and then call my, my family's uh, phone number again, and uh, it rings, and they were having lunch. Uh, they had my grandparents over for lunch for uh, Father's Day, and ended up, uh, my mom, actually my dad answered, which was perfect, and he's like, well, why are you calling? You already called me. I said, well, I got some news. Yeah, what's up? And I said, I'm going up. And he's like, no, he's like he, couldn't, he couldn't believe it. Like He's like, no, he thought I was joking. And I kind of told, and he kind of started getting a little overcome by emotions and uh, gave the phone to my mom, talked to her a little bit, and uh, I said, somebody from the front office will call you, and, and I said, it's literally in two days, though. So they're going to call you with flights, and they'll call you with hotels, and, and they'll get all that stuff squared away, so just make sure that you're available for it. And my brother was in Boston at the time, so I was going to get him to fly out for it as well, so... Couldn't happen any any better, and um, it was just it was a really cool experience. And you know, ended up doing the chart that night, and you know, guys were begrudgingly happy for me, most of them. And uh, and, and I was like, look, I'll see you soon. I'm only going to be up there for like three games, and then come back down. And ended up driving. It was a two hour drive from there to uh, Phoenix. Uh, we were playing the Diamondbacks at the time, opening up road trip, and. Uh, I got in, I think we, it was two hour, uh, my trainer, I think, and, and uh, trainer and clubby uh, drove me from that morning from Tucson to Phoenix, and they were staying at the Ritz-Carlton there in Phoenix, and uh, I was like, holy, this is different. Uh, I'm not, not AAA anymore, and uh, signed my contract, their big league contract, first day I got there, and um, that was on Monday, and, and I was charting that day, the day before you, you keep the game chart. So Randy Johnson was pitching against us that night. And uh, wow. so it was just it was very surreal um, walking in and seeing your, you know, big league clubhouse and, and your name and your number. And, and I was just like, man, this is like I've gotten here, but I haven't, I haven't done anything yet. So just continue to treat it like any other game. And, um, started that night our, our starter ended up getting hurt that night and uh i went out you know, the next day and just tried to treat it like a minor league game and and do exactly what i've been doing for the past couple months and throwing the ball really well and uh ended up um that night i ended up uh on tuesday when my parents were there saw my brother saw my parents had seats right behind our dugout so I think there was about 38,000 people there that night, Tuesday night, but they were in first place at the time and ended up throwing a one-hitter uh, for seven innings and uh, was player of the game that day. And uh, I think Klesko hit a couple home runs that, that night. And uh, just it was a really cool experience. And 
was player of the game, was on the radio, um, got a bottle of Dom Perignon after the game on ice for me. Big time. Um, got to see myself on baseball tonight during Sports Center when we were eating dinner. So it was just, it was just a lot to process that first night. And uh, like Coach said, you know, my pitching coach, um, create a good impression on them and a positive impression about how hard you work and how, how good you can do. And uh, second game, we, we went from Phoenix for four to uh, to Cincinnati for four. I had getaway day in, in, in uh, Cincinnati and ended up winning that game. She had a shutout in the eighth, I believe, and in that game. And then went from there to, uh, to L.A. to play the Dodgers before we uh, wrapped up the first half. And was two and zero with like a one, two, one, three, something like that, I think. And ended up finding out when we were in Dodger Stadium that I was, got National League Player of the Week that week, my first week in the big league. So it was just, again, I was like, man, I, I couldn't have played this out any better. I mean, right. this is, I could die tomorrow. I honestly could <laughs> die tomorrow, and I'd be happy just because this is about as cool of an experience as I could have ever hoped it to be. And playing private charters and staying in nice hotels and. Now I got big league baseball cards, you know, people taking pictures of me for tops in, in Dodger Stadium. And I was like, this has really, really been a cool experience. So I, I'm more than happy to go back down to AAA. And, and uh, in Dodger Stadium, actually, they told me, because uh, that was towards the tail end of June, and my rent was going to be due in Vegas where I needed to go back. And I said, hey, well, you know, what do I, I, I need to go get, you know, my, my stuff there and, and whatever uh, taken care of. And I said, what do I need to do? And he's like, you know what? over spring break, or uh, over um, all-star break, rather, you can go ahead and just, uh, we'll fly you to, to Vegas, grab all your stuff, you're going to stay here. So That's I was awesome. like, so what turned into three days, and, and come to find out the guy that pitched the, the night before my debut, he was hurt the rest of the year, so I just took his spot in the rotation, and Woody took mine, and uh, was there for the next two and a half years. Wow. So, did out any better, um, and I was a nobody in the big leagues, I'm completely okay with that fact, but, uh, you know, I made it and had some success and met some really cool people. And, right. you know, the throwing partner was Trevor Hoffman and, you know, got to play in, in, in 01. I got to play with Trevor and Tony Gwynn and Ricky Henderson all on the same team, three Hall of Famers. Wow. Um, so it was just it was a, lot of, a lot of cool little stories. And I started writing a book about it, kind of paused it, and, and I need to pick that back up when I get some time here in the near future and, and finish it. But just, you know, just, just to show, you know, there, there's not a – there's not always a point A to point B to get to where you want, whether it's, you know, college or whether it's pro ball or, or anything in life. Sometimes it's, you know, there's a squiggly line to get to where you need to get to. And, uh, and so that's what I just, that was my, my purpose for writing the book to begin with was just to show kids like you don't have to be the best on your team. You don't have to be the strongest. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to get the accolades as long as you believe in yourself and, and are your biggest cheerleader and your biggest critic. You know, the sky's the limit. And uh, as long as you're willing to work hard for it and sacrifice. And so, yeah. Uh, hopefully that answered your question. So, <laughs> definitely. For sure. Um, so, we're reaching the you know the end stretch here. We just have a couple of lighter questions, and then uh, Gil's got some rapid fire questions for you. But um, just going back to uh, some of those baseball camps and you know the summers of Hong Kong, some of my best memories from those camps are you know just hanging out with you guys and all the players telling these you know incredible baseball stories every day. And I wish we were able to somehow document some of those. But you know just off the top of your mind, like when people ask you about some of your best memories or funniest stories from the big leagues, you know what comes to mind? Well, again, I, I'm completely fine being a nobody, but uh, you know. 
being able to be Trevor Hoffman's stolen partner. I was there when um, when Ricky, I think, broke the all-time walks record. He broke, I want to say, Babe Ruth's all-time walks record. So that was kind of neat. I was the first guy to face Barry Bonds in 01 when he had 69 home runs in San Francisco. So that was a really neat experience. Um, you know, I, I gave up a couple home runs at Wrigley to, to Sammy Sosa. Um there's a lot of little little snippets, but but just just the people that you meet, and, and I used to collect baseball cards as a kid. So initially, I was like, well, that's so and so, or that's so and so, or that's you know, you know, just and they treat you like they're a coworker of yours, which you are, and that like really kind of threw me for a loop because I was like, I always held these guys on such a high pedestal, and they were just level-headed guys, normal guys for the most part, and was just neat to see that and you know if you sent a ball over a jersey over saying hey you know larry walker would you mind signing a, a jersey for me and he goes yeah that's fine you know it was it was kind of surreal at times and it was it was it was kind of cool and, and you know when i in the off season I, I was uh i signed with img that was my agency at the time uh when i was in the big leagues and so in like the off season i would train down at img in Bradenton, which was in my backyard so it was perfect um, I trained with Serena Williams. I trained with Maria Sharapova. Wow. We used to do yoga with her. Um, so you met a lot of a lot of people that were really cool people, um, but they were just they were just normal people. They just did whatever their sport was. They did it exceptionally well. So for sure. All right. So we know you got. We know you're a busy guy. Uh, so we're we'll get to the last. This is the last question. So you can keep it brief before we get into rapid fire. Um, but we've covered oh, it on the pod. Um, so we've covered it on the pod before, just the Astros um, and all that stuff going on with in Major League Baseball. So, you know, having kind of, you know, how you just kind of went into a little taste of it yourself. Uh, just briefly, kind of what are your thoughts on, on all of that? And, uh, you know, is there anything, you know, what are, just, I mean, just very general, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? I've been out of the game since 06. Uh, I mean, I coach here on a local basis. Uh, high school team that I work with now here and I do lessons but uh, there was always an old saying if you ain't cheating you ain't trying uh, <laughs> but that that, that meant you know and, and Dusty in North Florida was notorious for always looking for an edge so if somebody was tipping their pitches if the catcher was, was not uh, closing sure. up his leg given signs anything he did like that if we could pick sure, up a sure. sign we were going to try to take advantage I think they took it on you know, the digital level, I think they took it a little bit too far, and, uh, right. and they got. They're not. The, the thing is, they're not the only one that, that you know. Because look, if I have the means to, to try to do that, um, I, I'm sure that there's other organizations that just didn't get caught yet. Um, right. Doing it, but I, I think that there should have been some more repercussions for the players, um, mm-hmm. not just throwing the GM and the manager under the bus. Um, for them, or, or Beltron, or, or Cora, um, you know, if you were complicit in it and you knew it was wrong, uh, then you know the steroids there or anything like that. Say that you know everybody was doing it. I don't think that that's a valid excuse. Sure. Um, you know, if I highly doubt they're going to vacate the the World Series championship or the rings or anything like that, but. But there should be some blowback because there were guys that lost their jobs as a result of how they pitched, and there were there were uh, series that were lost and, and, and things happened. So you're never going to really 
feel the, the full magnitude of, of how that affected everybody. But uh, there has to be some repercussions. Hey, you're out for a year and you you know no pay and it's you lose your twenty million dollars in salary or whatever the case may be. Now it it, it may be where everybody and that's where it gets kind of tricky because you got guys that have since traded to other organizations or whatever. Are you going to bank them now that they're on another team? Now that they're not with the Astros? Or right. you, stick, you know, so so it becomes very very tough, to, uh, and I think that that's why they did what they did, quite honestly. But um, I don't I, I don't know the right answer. I'm glad that I'm yeah. not in that that position to have to make <laughs> no, that. But I, I, but I, I, that. I, I think if you if you don't want steroids, you don't want people cheating or anything. You just go if you're caught, lifetime ban, no questions asked. Right. Yeah. I think if, if, if somebody had to, to to do something like that. The steeper punishment, you're going to knock all that out overnight. Yeah. Because people yeah. are like, this is my livelihood. And, uh, you know, I had people, you know, looking back, I had people that, that offered me uh, HGH at a time in my career or whatever. And I was like, look, I, I busted my ass to get to where I got to. And, and, and God forbid, I'm the one person that gets caught. And then they're like, oh, you got caught for, for, for steroids, um, ban or whatever. And people would go, well, that's the... Number one, I would let down my, my parents and, and the people that raised me the right way. But number right. two, I, I know that there would be people that go, well, that's the only way that he got to the big leagues was by help. From Chillicothe on up, so if I'm not good enough to be there on my own merits, then I don't deserve to be there, period. So yeah, That's a good take, for sure. So, yeah, and I think, I think you had a really good point, too, on, well, just you kind of mentioned, because I think it was something we kind of struggled differentiating between when is it, you know, like you said, looking for an edge and when is it cheating, and I think kind of how you explained it so if a guy's like kind of tipping his pitches or the catcher's got his legs open you know that's almost yeah. a fault on them but i think where yeah. where this is kind of different is you know teams could have done everything right and still get their signs kind of stolen so uh, that's where it gets a little absolutely. bit unfair. absolutely for sure well, so and, that, and i see i see college programs now where guys are wearing wristbands with you know changing signs every inning or whatever and it's like people are trying to reinvent <laughs> the wheel if we go back to just keeping it simplified and keeping the flow of the game moving, I, I don't think right. you have to reinvent the wheel. Um, so, anyway. All righty. That was good stuff. I'm glad we asked you that. All right, so we're coming to our yeah. last part of the interview. Rapid-fire questions. I'm just going to rattle yeah. off some questions. You can give me your quick first answer that comes to your head, uh, unless you have, like, a good story or something, then feel free to expand. Yeah. But just looking for bang-bang answers here. You ready? Yeah, hit me. Alrighty. Who's your least favorite person in the baseball world that you played with or against? Oh, probably uh, should have started with that one. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. There were people okay, that had uh, that were notoriously uh, disliked, shall we say? And you kind of narrow okay. down the people like in, in that time frame that I played. Um, yeah, and those steroids would be on my list as well. Okay, I got you. Ours is true. Mine and Ben's is true. He was our least favorite. <laughs> Sorry, who? <laughs> uh, it's Schubert, Jacob Arthur. Me. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. All right, all right. Next one. So, game day, you know you're pitching. What's your go-to meal? Uh, minor leagues, when I didn't have any money, it was uh, I had to have a Sprite and I had to have a Cool Ranch Doritos uh, with Ooh. whatever I was having. But, uh, no, I just I tried to eat light because I was always nervous before my starts. So uh, just something that had some protein and make sure I hydrated well that day. Gotcha. 
So kind of on that note, did you have any weird or funny game day superstitions? And if not, do you know, was there a player who had a strange one that you saw? Uh, great question. So mine, I, I kept Thank it kind of simple. I, I, I wasn't real, real chatty the day I pitched. I tried to keep myself and just try to focus on what my job was to execute. Uh, I was a big music guy, so I like to listen to a lot of music pregame okay. to kind of get me dialed in. Um, so I, I didn't have like a, I just, you know, I, I was big in, in utilizing my time. And so I, I tried to stay, you know, you know, two hours before game time, I was doing this an hour and a half. I was doing this, uh, stretching by the trainer, long toss, flat ground, bullpen. So I just tried to, to keep on, uh, a consistent, uh, timeline when I pitched. So no, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, Matt Clement, which was one of the, the top prospects in, 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 in baseball, but especially for San Diego, he used to uh, have something where when you would get done with an inning, if he threw up uh, all zeros and, and had a, a scoreless inning, he would get one of the little Dixie Cups and he would put it somewhere in the dugout. And then he would, for every one of those that, uh, that he had, like if he had a scoreless second, scoreless third, he would just add to the Dixie Cups. And oh. just kind of stack them up, and once he scored a run, then he had to throw. He had to throw away the stack of Dixie cups um, cool. once he gave up a run. So that that was uh, something that I remember. And um, that's good. No, that's nothing good crazy one. though. Nothing crazy. I like that one though. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So next one. If you got five star- right now, Brian Tolberg steps out onto the mound in the Frontier League for five starts. What are your stats? Uh, probably one and four with about a five ERA. Okay, I like that you gave yourself one. I was thinking I was ready for the five and zero, oh, like one one ERA, uh, but I respect that. No chance, no chance, no chance. <laughs> not, uh, not Twenty-seven that years old is a lot different than twenty-two, and uh, the quality of of play in that league is uh, probably on par with uh, high A if not double A in my opinion. I, I went back when I got inducted into the Frontier League Hall of Fame a couple of years ago and uh, watched the All-Star game. And there's guys going 93, 94. I would have never even made that team nowadays. So, uh, no, I, I would have struggled mightily now. Hey, you got the trophy already, so you're good. There you uh, go. So next question, um, what is your least favorite part about baseball? So either watching or playing. Uh, least favorite part was being away from family and friends for eight months. That, that was really interesting. There was a lot of guys that, uh, well, I was single, so I was lucky, but there were a lot of guys, especially AAA, big <laughs> league, one. that, you know, their kids are, uh, are, are, you know, taking their first steps, saying their first words, going to school, just different moments in their, in their development, and you're not there. You're, you're playing right. or you're on the road, and so... And that was uh, that was one of the things that was kind of difficult, I think. But uh, watching it, I think, is tough. I, I love playing it. I love being a part of this this high school team now. Watching the game is just tough because there's so many things that you see as a spectator. And it's like, why are you not backing up there? Why are you not, you know, doing this or making this pitch or doing, uh, you know, pop up priorities the right way or whatever? So, but again, that's why you're there in the in the teaching role, so that hopefully they get better as they move forward as well. There you go. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. All right, so your favorite or funniest teammate that you ever played with? Oh, um, had a lot of them actually. Uh, there was a guy in AAA, Brad Kaufman, uh, Matt Skrmeta. Um, 
very very funny guys. Uh, Brett Boone was was a really oh, funny guy in uh, in San Diego. I liked him. He was he was one of my buddies. Um, but yeah, the minor leagues just because everybody's it's not like this guy's making ten million, you're making major league minimum. Everybody was making about the same, and you're staying in the same crappy hotels, eating the same crappy food. So you could relate to each other and uh, form some really good bonds. So, uh, yeah, definitely had some jokesters in the minor leagues with me. Gotcha. Least favorite MLB stadium that you played in? Woo. Um, old Atlanta, probably. The new one I heard is beautiful, but, uh, yeah, the old Atlanta one was uh, was apparently not very, uh, very good. Gotcha. So. All right, and so this is the last one we have. Um, so not that we are gamblers. We would Why? never do that, ever. Um, but we did see on DraftKings, just in our research, uh, that you're listed as a 47-year-old free agent. Uh, one, is this accurate? And two, <laughs> and two, are we starting your PR tour to get you picked up by a team? No and no. <laughs> um, no, I am, I am done. And you know what's crazy is probably about every three or four months, I have the most vivid dream, and it's not uncommon, the guys that play, but I have a dream where I'm at my day job now, and I get a call from Bruce Bochy, and he's like, hey, I need a starter on Saturday, can you fly in? And I just roll in, and it's like even the little smallest details of me getting on the golf cart and getting driven into the, to the bowels of the stadium. Um, and, and, and seeing my, my locker where it was at and people coming up, and it's like you're pitching that day, and, and, and it's like, man, this is just such a neat experience to get an opportunity to do this again, and then it's like time to warm up, and I can't find one shoe. And, and then that's what pitches me off enough to wake you up, but it's so vivid, and I wake up, I'm like, son of a God, that, that uh, and, and then you realize like how much you miss it. The, the camaraderie and the the friendships and, and everything that went went with it was just sure. really a neat experience. And I try to, you know, explain. I, there's no way you can recreate going in front of fifty thousand people on a weekend right. and, and getting them crazy riled up. And it's it's just something that uh, that I, I always have fun memories about. So gotcha. Yeah, so just it sounds like you still like you said you still got fond fond memories of it. So just last thing I have, I'll open it up to Ben and Shu. But if you ever you know change your mind, uh, you're on DraftKings. Uh, if you come out of retirement, we you know can you announce it on our podcast? Be the first person I call. How's that? Oh, my that's goodness. perfect. Yes, yes, perfect. done deal. Right, ben Shu, anything else? I think no, that's. Thank it. you for coming on. Yeah, for sure. My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. Well, hey, man, if, you, if you're good, uh, you know, like they said, it was a pleasure to have you on. Uh, great stuff uh, on the interview. You know, super, super interesting, obviously, to hear your journey and, and kind of into the little finer details that people normally don't get to hear about. So uh, we really appreciate yeah. you coming on. Yeah, it's Kay Weezy and we back. The rise to the throne. Envy. Yeah. Ben Franklin's. Ben Franklin's. I got so much money, it's like I own a money tree. All these people phonies just wanna be like me. Your baddest girl be all on my D. The stuff you pay for for me, it's free. Because I got Ben Franklin's, I got Ben Franklin's. No need for hating, I'm not a doctor, I ain't got patience. 
All I got is papers and a lot of haters. Shout out to my home dog. They all got prayers.